Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production, the podcast. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and I have two returning guests from Los Angeles, California, Christian and Brandon. Welcome. Hey, Art. How's it going? Hey, Art. Thanks for having us. You guys seem like uh, you're in the middle of happy hour, maybe, but one of you seems yeah, happier uh, than the other. It's been a long week. Um, we're glad to be wrapped, and uh, we're happy. We put the happy in a happy hour today. Before I get to this week's topic, I want to encourage you to send me your comments and feedback. Please email this week in production at gmail.com or call me on my Google voicemail. I'm not going to answer, but it's it's a voicemail box that you can leave a message. 601-564-TWIP, T-W-I-P, 601 564 8947. Like I said, I'd love to hear from you comments, suggestions, good, bad, or whatever. You want to yell at me? You want to tell me I suck? Please, I welcome it. Okay, let's get back to this week's topic. Let me set up the scene. You're in Los Angeles on a job, which I would say for most people in the production world right now, that's a bit of a unicorn to have, you know, work especially uh, on the left coast when you're East Coast based. So tell me about how that developed and we'll get into some of the particulars as we go. Right, so Brendan and I are are part of a creative collective, as we call it, uh, named Journey Home Pictures. And one of our clients is a carbon fiber accessory company for BMW specific cars. And uh, we shot a small 60-second promotional spot for them in February. And we received a call from one of the partners who we didn't work directly with last time that he was going out to the West Coast, to Seattle specifically, to go pick up this brand new car and um, drive it home to New York. Now, his original idea was that he wanted to kind of document it almost like mini doc meets a vlog style. And... You know, at first I was very hesitant because of what's going on with the pandemic and, you know, everything else on top of that. So I didn't reject it, but I was like, let's let's talk about this later on and kind of figure it out. Um, so they brought it to us about a few days later and we kind of, you know, reevaluated, is this possible? And it seems so. Yeah. So he wanted you to basically fly you and your crew, if you will your crew from from New York to Seattle and then do some filming and and fly back or drive back or whatever. I know the plan had changed a little bit, but that was the the basis for the job. Yeah. So the original plan was to fly out with the partner of the company, watch him grab the car. We drive down to Los Angeles. He hits their warehouse and then we drive back to New York. But that changed and now we're flying back. What was involved in the production logistics? So it was going to be single camera, just kind of running gun style, nothing too, you know, crazy. And then just out some out the car window rollers and B-roll and stuff like that. Real simple. Um, you know, I don't really like the term gorilla shooting, but 
kind of on the basis of that. As you're considering this and you're discussing it with Brandon and um, and the others, like what were what was your initial reaction? So my first thought first was let me because Brandon produced the last video for them, and um, I, I couldn't have done it without him. So the, I initially went to him and I said, "Listen, do you think this is possible? Can we do this during, you know, the I'm not, I'm not going to say the pandemic's over because it's not even close, but you know, the downslope for sure. Um, I don't care to weigh in. What were some of your thoughts off the bat? Yeah. I mean, when you brought it up to me, um, I was, I was excited at first to about the potential of it. Um, just thinking about everything that was going on and where we were based. So just being in New York, um, I thought that it was doable because out here, at least we would be further away at least for the majority of the drive uh, further away from people uh, than we were in, in New York city. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't super worried about that aspect of like the potential of, of catching it. Um, I thought that we could kind of do everything in our power to be safe during transportation, during the time in the airport and any time in, in the cities, um, taking all the precautions, wearing a mask. Uh, we wiped down all the seats with alcohol pads and we were wearing gloves the whole time in the airport, stuff like that, to just make sure that we were as uh, safe as possible. But while we were have been out here and also kind of the vibe out here compared to New York City, um, it just hasn't felt as risky. Right. As yeah, it, very as different. It might th- as it might be if we filmed this in New York. You felt like you could travel and, and do the job safely. Was there any internal conversations about it? pricing this i don't want to say like surcharge and and it might go either way but did you have a discussion like do we price this normally do we price it more because of the risk or do we price it less because we want the work it was kind of a mix of all those factors um we knew off the bat there was risk you know any risk right now but you know being you know younger less experienced um creatives and filmmakers we we need you know everything to help practice and develop ourselves as artists to you know keep driving our careers so you know i know me personally i'm not one to say no to anything off the bat even during a pandemic as selfish as that might sound but um you know there's always a way to kind of do something and uh if you're looking to hear anything about hazard pay that wasn't you know in the budget um this was kind of just a normal price out, you know, how can we do this? How can we get paid and how can we do it safely? We went through a couple of budgets with them, uh, just kind of discussing back and forth. But just like Christian said, um, we're, we're not really the type of people to turn anything down if it's something that's going to kind of that we think that we're going to be able to do a good job on and that will help us out in the future for for where we are right now. So with uh, we thought that we could do it safely. So we kind of worked with them a little bit to make sure that we could, this would be something that we could do. Let's jump in time up to uh, travel day. Tell me about the travel experience out of New York uh, at the airport. Maybe, I don't know if you took a cab or mass transit. Like, just give me the vibe of traveling out of New York. So we left um, about a week ago today, actually. And uh, we had a 6.30 a.m. flight out of Newark to San Francisco um, because the airline we flew wasn't currently flying direct to Seattle. Um, So we had a layover in Seattle, or I'm sorry, San Francisco for about 20 minutes, and then we jumped right on another plane to Seattle. Um, At Newark Airport, 
the the drop off the curbside drop off the baggage um the security was everything was like no more than 25 30 people it was a little freaky i've never seen an airport like that especially an international airport such as newark um even waiting at the gate there was minimal amount of people everything was closed seats were taped up it was kind of a, a surreal experience right yeah, I mean, I think again being there so early in the morning too was uh definitely helped. Yeah. Um but yeah, we we actually took a rental car to the airport so we didn't have to deal with any type of public transit. Yeah. Um we we had that rental car already. We had to drop it off. So that was a uh, pretty perfect timing there. There wasn't anything to worry about in terms of the subway in New York City or anything like that. Yeah. When we got there, again, it was it was really empty and we had all of our protective gear on. So um, that was kind of nice to see that we weren't stuck in like a very crowded area during that whole travel. When we got on the plane, when we boarded the plane, they actually handed us little alcohol wipes. I mean, we have some of our own, but they oh, yeah. handed us some to, to wipe down the seats. And on the um, airline that we flew, they actually didn't sell any of the middle aisle seats um, or the middle row seats. So there was at least one seat in between everyone on the plane. Um, to keep your space a little bit, which was nice. There was no one kind of rubbing up against you the whole time, which probably would have freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, definitely. How many people would you say were on the plane? You heard you heard the flight attendant say what percent? What was it? What did she say? I don't remember the percentage um, where we were, at least. I mean, there was yeah. people in front of us and behind us. So I would say somewhere around 40%. Like the back half of coach was v- pretty scarce. I mean, were people at the airport like wearing masks and everyone was sort of being, you know, protective? Or did you see people, you know, not really paying heed to the warnings of? From what I can remember, I think everyone, especially the people that were working there, um, were wearing masks. I did see some uh, maintenance people come by to actually disinfect a few things of like um, trash bins and stuff like that. Um the most part, everyone on our flight was wearing a mask. Um, I think I think everyone, for the most part, in the airport was, would had masks on all three of the airports that we were in. Yeah, um, for sure. And yeah. they actually were. They there was multiple announcements that if you're boarding a flight here, you have to have a mask on. So you know, it's an added added layer of protection that kind of makes you feel a little bit safer. Were you guys concerned about being stuck in a row with people in between or next to you that you didn't know? I mean, you got lucky and you had no middle seat, but like if I'd seen some pictures on a United flight that was completely packed. So if you had gotten on the plane, I'm just curious if you would be concerned about sitting in a fully packed row. Um, personally, yeah, we were, but, um, you know, it was a, it was a calculated assessment of what it was going to take to get out there. And we, you know, being, we understood what it was, what, what was that jeopardy? I think, um, I mean, we knew what United was doing with the whole middle row thing when we booked the tickets with them. So I think if we had gone into it not knowing if there was going to be someone there, it would have been a completely different mindset. Um, And A little more unnerving for sure. Yeah, I would have been a lot more nervous. But when we actually booked the tickets, I mean, that was something that was kind of going through my head as well. Just maybe we should book a third one in the middle just to kind of give give ourselves that that buffer space. but knowing that United was doing that, um, not even selling those seats, um, definitely made it a little less nerve wracking when we were actually had to go and travel. And um, another kind of motivation to stick with them coming back too. So to make sure that we have the same type of um, 
just to make sure that we can rest assured that we're going to be safe on the trip back. Right, because I think United has actually backpedaled on that statement about keeping the middle seats free. And it was interesting because oh, I, I oh. spoke to a travel reporter about business travel uh, just a couple mm. days ago, and he was asking me you know, what my concerns were about flying. And one of the things that I mentioned was that, oh, I don't want to be stuck next to someone you know, in a middle seat um, if I can avoid it. And I said, if they had, you know, a solid policy on that, because I, I believe at least United has backpedaled on that no middle seat policy. Yeah, that was not something that uh, either of us were aware of. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should look into, I mean, at this point, we might have to look into um, to trying to buy that that ticket for that middle seat just to kind of ensure. Or fly first. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe I should just upgrade. Was there anything uh, out of the ordinary about the flight itself? Did they have normal meal service? Did they serve drinks? Anything different? Um, The first thing I noticed off the bat was the only drinks that were available were cans and small bottles of water. Um, They're not pouring them anymore from on the flight we were on, at least. Uh, So this way, there's no possible of recontamination. You know, sharing. Uh, You you get a can, you get a bottle. It's yours. Snacks, they, um, you know, you, they have it all in one bag and they select it out and drop it to you. This way you're not touching. It's all contact free. They don't want the passengers touching anything. And that was kind of their gist. But the one thing I did find really interesting, which when they made an announcement, is was to have at least your air vent on like low because it helps circulate the plane and reduce, according to them, reduce the amount of contagions in the air, if any. So you, you get to Seattle. And what is the scene there? You know, you have to get you have to get a rental car and you have to get to a hotel, I'm assuming. Yeah. So once we got off the plane and, and deboarded at Seattle, Seattle was even more empty than Newark, which was even more unnerving because it was like this dystopic, you know, scene out of a movie with all the chairs folded up. It was it just add a layer of dust. And it was like um, I am legend with Will Smith. It was uh, it was quiet. We went to the rental car. I had to take the bus to the rental car counter and there was no one there just the one agent and myself um and we had a you know we got the car and sadly we um they three all they had the first i had to go through three rental cars they messed up the first two the first wasn't cleaned the second had like a check engine light on and the third was finally the one that we had to take so i did have to go back two to separate times but it was you know it was mandatory so i had to you know i had all the ppe on um, but we got the rental car and once we were loaded in or once we r- received it, we, you know, disinfected the holding ourselves. It did smell really clean, the, the third one. But, um, you know, we brought all the, the, the possible, you know, disinfectants we could. And we went through the whole thing, wiped it down, left the windows open for a little while, probably 15 minutes and uh, did the most we could to help disinfect it and feel comfortable to drive in it. Right. Yeah, it was kind of funny. It was like a like a NASCAR crew when we came to the car, just wiping down all the seats. Uh, all of us just started wiping <laughs> everything with alcohol, like everything that you would touch on the dash. Um, spend the, the first like ten minutes doing that. But the thing about Seattle and Brandon will test too is that uh, it they're already into phase two of reopening in Seattle. Originally, they were the the hotspot of, of the USA, but when we got there, we I think we saw more people without a mask than we did with a mask. Which is again unnerving, but coming from the hot spot. But you know, the whole time we, I made sure Brandon and our camera assistant had a mask on. Yeah, um, just kind of 
let Christian handle most of the technical stuff in terms of like the prep for this thing, um, getting all of the equipment ready, kind of think of what shots that he was going to want to want to get. Um, I was kind of focused on figuring out what our schedule was going to be. Uh, we had to be in Los Angeles by um, by Sunday. So, you know, that's a lot of shooting and driving kind of at the same time. So I was more focused on where we should shoot, where we should go and kind of the schedule when we should wake up in the morning, when how many hours we should be driving, like the time it's going to take to get place to place. Um, those kind of logistical things. I should add, however, that Brent and I are roommates and we have been quarantined together for over a month before we left for this trip. Yes. Were there concerns about being able to, you know, just eat? Like, did you bring food? Were you concerned about not being able to get into a restaurant to have a meal? Getting a meal was a concern. But we knew before we even decided to go out to Seattle that there is no such thing as sitting down at a diner. You know, one of the big, you know, qualities of being a successful uh, independent filmmaker out here in this day and age is adapting to everything that, you know, the, the shoot throws at you. And one of the things this shoot threw at us was we weren't able to go to dinner like a regular film crew. We knew that uh, we weren't going to be able to go out to like uh, restaurants and stuff like that. But, you know, obviously, and we had been ordering takeout in New York and stuff like that. So that we weren't too concerned about the risk of like other people preparing food. And we knew we could get stuff to go. And I think one of the cool things was uh, we I mean, we were traveling with the client as well. And we were a really small um, production team, just the two of us and a, a camera assistant, Nick Prosha. Um, and so what was cool was that when we were eating, we were kind of eating out of the back of the van and we were all kind of together and it kind of created a nice little, um, uh, a nice little friendship there during this trip as well. So it was a lot of fun to, to have those experiences. It wasn't like a big crew dinner, which can also be fun. Um, but it was kind of just like, you know, you're out here roughing it with, uh, with your friends. So it was nice to, to have that kind of experience. What kind of car was it, by the way? Our picture car was a 2020 M340i BMW. Uh, were you going to do any car, car-to-car shooting, or were you doing any uh, rigging on the on the picture car uh, with cameras to film any of that stuff? I'm not sure. I guess what kind of shots you were were trying to get besides you know ground shots or handheld. So we did some car-to-car uh, -car shots. We rigged up a Ronin S to be kind of like a follow cam. Uh, with the Panasonic S1, um, that was a, a bulk of the shots, I would say, going down the, the coast from Seattle to Los Angeles, or even California, honestly. Other than that, it was mostly B-roll and drone, which was, again, super easy to get done without being near other people, which, you know, is good for everyone. Yeah, I think just the setting, too, um, was really, really good for just having the drone with us um just it was our first time being on the west coast and the pacific coast highway and it's known for just being so beautiful and scenic and to just have the drone too there just to get all of those um establishing shots and all those other beauty shots was uh was really cool how much filming would you do in i mean it was what two days to get down to la i think it might have taken us three days to get down to la we took our time we didn't want to fly and rush and again the client didn't have to be at his warehouse until three or four days after we landed in Seattle. So we did do some downtown Seattle shooting. Um, we did a little bit of that. And then through the, you know, the national parks of Oregon, which is really cool. But again, we didn't drop any tripod, which was 
kind of like the key thing that you can't do right now. How much shooting would you do like driving down the Pacific Coast Highway? Like like how many would you stop and set up shots and then go down a little bit more and stop or how did you do that? The Pacific Coast Highway, we got onto it on in uh, San Francisco. So we only took it between San Francisco and LA. Um, that was really the, the last day. Um, and we would kind of do exactly what you just mentioned. We would drive. We had some bridges that we wanted to get some shots on and some of the uh, national forests we knew were going to be really scenic. Um, but we didn't really have any exact like specific um, locations other than the bridges. So whenever we would see something that was just really breathtaking, um, we would find somewhere to pull over. And if we had to, we would backtrack and we'd set everything up. Um, and we would just, you know, redrive down that set of, uh, of the highway and to get the shots. And then we would just, you know, keep it going. We ended up doing all of that in one day. And then by the time we lost all the sunlight, we were pretty much in Santa Barbara. And then we just kind of jumped on the highway and made our way down to Los Angeles. Google Maps is really going to be a thing for scouting coming forward. I I think personally, because Brendan spent like days scouting the whole trip down via Google Maps, because there's not going to be, let me fly out to scout, come back, fly again, moving forward. I, at least I can't say for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I've used Google Earth to, you know, do some pre-compositions and things like that. But yeah, these tools are definitely out there to use. It was great because um, just with the uh, the earth view, you could pretty much see what the scenery was going to be and what the shot could have been. Um, so we went into it having um, a few, like a list of potential spots. And then when we saw it in person, we could figure out kind of where the camera had to be and kind of block it out and figure out what the exact shot was. But just using Google Earth and just getting a view of a spot that I've never seen with my eyes and you don't have to rely on like pictures that people have taken from there. Yeah. Um, it was really valuable. Give me kind of the gear list, the rundown on the gear, the lenses. You had a couple of camera bodies, it sounds like, and a drone. Just break down the list of gear. So I actually picked up for this shoot, and because I've wanted one, but this shoot helped motivate me, um, a Panasonic S1, which I'm very much in love with. Um, we So we had a, the S1, we had a GH5, we had two different canon uh l2 glass or lenses we had a 16 to 35 zoom and we had a 24 to 70 zoom both the mark ii from canon and then for the panasonic gh5 we had a native mount 12 to 35 because with that with that glass and with the gh5 stabilizer in body you can have a superiorly stabilized image without a ronin so i knew aiding our situation that those two combined would make for great stabilized footage. Um, in addition to that, we had a, a DJI Ronin-S. We had a DJI Mavic 2 Pro. And then we brought um, a tripod. We brought some grip gear, I think one or two C-stands, a light stand, and uh, a slider. So in what format were you shooting? 4K, 1080? So on both cameras, I decided to go with a long-op codec because most of what we shoot for this client is web-based. And for web-based video, I just think all-eye codecs are a bit overkill. Also, the S1 doesn't do all-eye. That's the S1H, its sibling camera. But the uh, GH5 does. So we went with the 4K, I think it was 150 meg uh, bitrate. Um, and yeah, you know, just 
brought my whole DIT kit with me to offload it. Okay, so you shot during the day and then what you offloaded at night? We actually did do some nighttime stuff as well, which was mainly the S1 due to the full frame sensor. But uh, yeah, once we would get to our lodging for the night, which was only one night actually, we had a hotel after Seattle because uh, we wanted to limit our amount of potential exposure to getting infected or just you know getting sick in general. So we actually ended up staying in the van that night, um, and our client stayed in his car. It was his idea, and I actually, you know, I said, you know, what's the best um, circumstances for this crew tonight? And, you know, it's going to take some adaptation, like I referred to earlier, to moving forward. So we were totally fine. We grabbed some blankets, pillows, and we were comfortable, and we slept it out. The three of you, the production team, you, Brandon, and Nick, slept in the minivan for one night somewhere between San Francisco and LA? We slept in the minivan in Weed, California. Okay, and that was that was the decision you made just based on not exposing yourself in a hotel somewhere. Yeah, so we had a long day, about like a 15 hour day of driving and shooting the day that day prior. So, you know, we didn't really look in the ho- a hotel before San Fran- or after San Francisco, excuse me. And uh, once we came across you know, this rest stop where you could sleep right in the parking lot. I said, listen, this is, let's just do it here. It will be a lot easier than going to find a hotel right now and then disinfecting the hotel at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. So we went forward with the sleeping in the parking lot. I think one of the other major factors to us actually going through with that was that the client, again, it was his idea. Um, He was okay with that. You know, I don't think if there was, um, if we were in a little bit of a different circumstance when we're a little bit more established and it's, um, a different you know time for us i don't know if we, we would have actually gone through with sleeping in the car um but just kind of the stage we're in and uh, the stage he's in as well and just being okay with that um that was like another factor where it was like okay the client's okay with it um i think i'm okay with it as well yep i think it also had to do something with the budget you get you get to la you you wrap the shoot did you think about oh you know i really wish i had brought x or y like did you feel like you were lacking things that that would have made the shoot go better for you i feel like we were totally happy with what we got between seattle and los angeles you know it felt a little pressured to shoot the proper shots that we had listed out before we got out here but we knew what we were going into kind of before we left new york i mean we're in new york it's the it's the heaviestly hit place by COVID 19 and we knew that once we got out here, like, listen, let's act like we're in New York. Let's be responsible, safe, and diligent. So, no, I don't think I wish I brought anything else because I knew what I was going into before I left New York. And we prepared accordingly. We were went through everything like three or four times, and we were totally excited. And, and it kind of left me speechless, honestly, because once we reviewed some of the footage after shooting for a day or two at a time, we were extremely psyched. Yeah, I think of... In terms of equipment, there's definitely some stuff that, you know, we wish that we could have had in, you know, the budget for um, to do things um, to just get other shots and just to have a little bit more stuff to play around with. Um, but in terms of the, sh- the footage that we ended up getting, there was nothing that I thought once we got to L.A., like, oh, I wish we could drive back up there and get that again. Um, I think we were all happy with what the f- footage turned out to be. And then what about the the travel part of it like would you 
in hindsight, have done anything differently if you were to go, you know, back next week, let's say? I would say the only thing I would have done differently is probably have booked a direct flight to Seattle. I mean, I don't think I put my crew in danger by having a layover just for reassurance to have one less airport in our pocket per se, you know, um, I would have booked a direct flight, but we did it and we did it safely to our best capable standards. And I think we're all happy. And, you know, we checked in every day, every, every, every hour when we were flying and traveling, Hey, how are you feeling? You good? Yeah, I feel good. Headaches, you know, cold, cough, anything. No. Okay. What? So you're in LA now and you're chilling for a few days, I guess, before you come back. What is the vibe like in LA? So yeah, we we're hanging out in LA for a couple more days. We were supposed to leave yesterday, but um, you know, Brandon can rope. Uh, Brandon's nine nine to five. He works remote, so we were like, hey, let's just stay out here for a few more days and kind of, you know, the weather here is nothing like New York, so we decided to stay out. And uh, everyone here is a kind of like New York, I'd say. Everyone has a mask on. Everyone has gloves on. They keep their distance. Social distancing is extremely enforced in this city, and even though they are in the first stage of reopening. I would say they're right there with, you know, everyone in New York. And, it, and it's comforting because, you know, everyone understands that this is, you know, it's a, it's a serious situation and we need to address it and respect it as such. Yeah, I think I would just add that um, in Los Angeles, where we are right now, uh, it's definitely the city that we've been to on the West Coast that's taking it, I think, at this point, um, really seriously still. I mean, everyone else is still really taking it seriously, but we've you see more people without a mask on and... Um, in San Francisco, there was a full park. It was kind of a smaller park, just completely full of people. Um, and I mean, you see that in other cities as well. But just the amount of people that we see without a mask on he- here is significantly lower than we saw uh, at other stops in the trip. So I think um, just being in Los Angeles right now, it's yeah, like you said, it's kind of um, comforting knowing that everyone is wearing a mask and you know everyone's taking it really seriously. It's yeah, it's just a little bit more comforting. As this, you know, winds through the summer and there's a lot of, you know, work that's on hold in the production world, you guys are kind of out in the wild. So I'm curious how this has changed your opinion of, you know, going into another work scenario, maybe that you don't have full control over. I would like to say that I feel more confident in the fact that producers moving forward are going to have a tighter crew smaller sets, less people, socially distant than we had in the past. This this event has gonna is gonna shape the way work has changed for forever. Anything that I've ever seen in my twenty seven years. Um and I think that, you know, all of the respectable individuals in this industry are gonna, you know, treat it as such and, and move forward, you know, adapting to the way we have to, you know? We can't just kind of go back to the way things were because that's not gonna be acceptable. So um, I, I'm, I'm confident that we will get back to work full time and we will have the opportunity to do what we love under new circumstances. And that's just how it is and how we have to accept it and adapt to the changes. Personally, I haven't really been on too many bigger sets. Uh, most of the, my experience um, in production has been, you know, relatively um, smaller crews. So I'm not exactly sure in you know my own experience how this things might change, but I think one thing that we might end up seeing, like Christian mentioned, um, with with smaller crews, we might see more people just kind of branching out and doing their own thing, um, a little bit more um, kind of guerrilla style, kind of 
kind of like this, just kind of producing their own things um, and just to, to keep the crews really small um, and just to kind of keep on working throughout some of the slowdowns. Well, I think that this is definitely a new era in production. I'm not sure how it's going to work out for all production types, but you guys were certainly one of the first people that I know that especially got on a plane and went to do a shoot uh, in another city like this. So thanks for sharing your experiences. I hope you guys get back safely. And I'm uh, anxious to see what you produce out of your uh, your footage. Yeah, thank you. We, we hope so, too. And we're going to take the proper precautions when we get home to be distant from our loved ones and even the people of our city for, uh, you know, 10 to 14 days and make sure that we didn't pick up anything on the flight and then, you know, continue to do the, the best we think we can do for our city. And that's by being distant and wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Art, for having us on and letting us talk about everything. Um, but yeah, just like what Christian said, I think one of the biggest things for everyone um, who was out, including our client, has we've all talked about just really quarantining, like not even trips to the grocery store, just ordering all the groceries from here on out once we get back, um, just to make sure that we're not going to be spreading anything to anyone else if we did pick up with something, because this is such a such a different disease that you don't really know until until you really know i guess so we're going to do all that we can to just um to be safe it doesn't end when we get back in new york it's going to continue for a couple weeks do you have something to say drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com or even better call our new twip voice mailbox and leave us a message 601-564-TWIP That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening.